Hey everyone, Yat A. This is episode 71 of Res Metal Podcasts. In this episode, I talk with Andrew Lee from the Bay Area death metal band Ripped to Shreds. Uh, the band Ripped to Shreds will be releasing their third album entitled Jubian through Relapse Records this week on October 14th. So in this episode, we talk about Andrew's musical background. You know, he's uh, he comes from a Taiwanese-American family, so we kind of talk about, you know, stereotypes that he's experienced. And uh, we kind of talk, we kind of focus a lot on the new Ripped to Shreds album. So, yeah, everyone should check out that album. I, you know, I listened to it already. I got the promo copy. It's pretty fucking heavy. If you're a fan of like, you know, the HM2 um, Swedish death metal style, like Entombed and um, Dismember, yeah, you'll definitely dig Ripped to Shreds. Uh, you know, Andrew Lee's also got uh, a lot of um, other bands he's involved with. And, uh, you know, he's most well known for, uh, you know, his uh, lead guitar work. You know, he's kind of got like a shred guitar influence. So. You'll definitely hear that on this album, but um, yeah, you know, it was my, you know, first time talking to Andrew, and I got the chance to talk with him, you know, during my, you know, my regular like, you know, work time, which you know, I was able to take a break and record this interview, which you know, I'm very thankful for. But um, yeah, I'll play a quick clip of uh, some ripped shreds and then go right into that interview. So uh, yeah, check it out and um, check out the interview. Yeah, thank you. This is Kelvin um, talking with Andrew Lee of Rip to Shreds. Um, I'm glad to talk with you, Andrew. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty all right. How about you, man? Good. Uh, I'm actually at work right now. <laughs> I, I I have a break, and um, so like the time slots that, that are offered to do these interviews are usually when I'm working. So I really want to talk with you, and I really want to make time to talk with you, like mm-hmm. you know, during my during my workday. Hey man, I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to just focus on ripped shreds. Uh, you have an album coming out, Jubian. I believe is uh, how it's pronounced. Yeah. And that'll yeah. come out uh, actually uh, next week, October yep, 14th. October 14th on Friday. Yeah. We got it coming out then. Awesome. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of touch on that. And uh, also uh, for people who haven't heard Ripped to Shreds or any of your other bands, I just kind of want to go into your background a little bit. Um, can you kind of talk about um, where you grew up um, and kind of how you got into extreme music? Yeah, um, I, I grew up in the Bay Area uh, in California, and I think I first started getting into extreme music like in high school, I think like around like 2004 or 2005. And, you know, at, at first I, I listened to like awful, you know, mall core, uh, you know, like in flames when they were like super mall core or like Nightwish. You know, all that stuff. And then it actually, um, I mean, I listened to some death metal back, like real death metal back then, you know, like Vital Remains or like uh, some of the early Dismember stuff. But I didn't like really get into death metal 
the way I am now until maybe the last six or seven years. But um, when I started going to shows around here, it's kind of funny because in the in in the Bay Area, you know, it's like it's got one of the biggest Asian populations in the whole U.S. Right? Yeah. I, I think San Francisco is like forty or fifty percent Asian or something like that. But whenever I went to like metal shows, you know, it's all like white kids, and I'm thinking, well, why why aren't there more Asian Asian kids in this area into metal? I mean, like when I when I was in high school and I talked to all my Asian friends, you know, they're like, oh, metal, that's, you know, like angry white people music. So I think <laughs> there's definitely kind of a um, a stigma against metal. Among the uh, <laughs> among the non-whites in the area, at least. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. What about your family? How like, did your family say anything about kind of like the music you were getting into? Um, I don't really think they had any real opinion about it it i mean they were just like oh it's no it's just noise (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny yeah my parents they're like like they're both navajo from the navajo reservation and um i think when i started getting into it the only thing the only problem they had with it was probably just the imagery like the skulls and Mm -hmm. the demons and stuff like that but yeah like if I tried to listen to like Metallica with my dad, like he like just didn't care for it or it all like just sounded like noise to him. <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty funny how uh, some of some of the stuff that we might consider like really melodic today would have been, you know, just pure noise to people who don't really listen to metal. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's cool. I'm glad you kind of shared your background. And then um, re- you recently, well, not recently, like, during the pandemic, you wrote uh, a piece for, I think, the Decibel site about kind of like the stereotypes that were coming out during that time. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that the stereotypes came out during that time because those stereotypes you know, have been around forever. Um, but you kind of see them get pulled to the forefront during the pandemic, especially because, you know, at the time, everyone was like, you know, blaming China. Oh, the whole COVID, everything's from China, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you and you would get reports of you know, Asians like in New York or in San Francisco, you know, getting attacked on the street because they're like because Americans were looking for some kind of a, a scapegoat for the entire pandemic, you know, um, and I guess that is kind of the impetus for my. Well, the direct impetus, you know, it, you know the band Brujeria, right? Yeah, yeah. The Me- the Mexican, like, uh, well, their theme is like Mexican cartels. Cartel, playing, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Playing metal, yeah. I they they put out a new song, and it was uh, I don't remember the specifics of it, but you know, it was like, oh, COVID is from like eating bats from China, you know, all that stuff, and you know, it, it pissed me off because. No, these 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 dudes know what it's like to be stereotyped by other Americans, and they're not a small band. You know, everyone knows who Bruharia is. So um, it just really made me mad. And thinking about, you know, all the stereotypes, not just that were uh, spreading right at that time, but, you know, just have been around for Asians, you know, ever since we've been in America. So 
that's kind of why I felt like I wanted to write this this essay. Yeah, yeah, and then on the new album, you have um, uh, well, I don't know if uh, race trader was that kind of was that something that was like was that fueled by that or was that kind of like a, a separate kind of uh, that's a, lyrical that's theme? a bit separate. Um, okay, so that that song's more about like. Um, you know, when you talk about other Asians in, as an Asian in America, you know, other um, Americans, uh, they will kind of take that and use it against other Asians. So if you say something like, um, you know, it's like a big stereotype that, you know, that back in Asia, you know, Asians are hella racist to each other, you know, but if you, if you kind of say that in front of other white Americans, they'll take that as a kind of a, a license to, you know, bring up all sorts of different stereotypes and they'll point to you like, Oh, look, the Asians here think that Asians are super racist too. And so it kind of feels like, you know, you can't really, talk about or criticize or really address um, problems in your own community um, without it being used against your community by mainstream America. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. I got a little sidetrack going back. Uh, that's good. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, let's see. Either going back to the the stereotypes, um, did you? I know you mentioned like the Brujeria, um, like you know, thing online. But um, did you like experience any like um, like you know just mistreatment or just like just bullshit like around that time, like the past, I guess 2021? Well, I, I barely go outside, but you know, you always get those kind of comments online. Um, I've been lucky enough that I rarely experience those kinds of things in person, especially, you know, in the Bay area, it's like a, you know, or the Bay area is full of Asians. Um, but I mean, you, you still get ig ignorant comments, right? You know, like people are surprised you speak English or they're like, Oh, comrade. And it, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I came up with a question, um, just kind of like before this, but, um, what, what would be like your, what would be like, um, the most comical or just like, just kind of like silly, like stereotype that you've heard. And I mean, um, uh, I'll tell you mine with like, for like with native American people, like I always get the comment that like, you know, we live, the government like basically pays us to exist and, we don't pay taxes and like, you know, all our colleges like paid for, but you know, I've shit. I'm, I had student debt and I still, I pay a bunch of taxes, but, but what, like, what's kind of like, like a, just, a, just, just like a silly, like, or just like comical stereotype that, that you've like come across or seen or heard. I mean, I guess for me, uh, it's kind of tough to think of them as comical, but, um, one that, you know, I always notice because it's just so prevalent uh, is like the R and the L switching, uh, you know, where 
they where people think you know we when when we say words that start with l we switch it around to start with r mm-hmm. and it's especially you know, because it it is a kind of a a language feature that is in japanese because they don't have that uh, they 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 don't have like a real R or real L. They have um, a vowel that uh, a consonant that's kind of like in between. But you know when you see they kind of generalize it to all Asians, and you know most Asian languages don't have that at all. Um, and then you know Dragon Force was like super popular uh, in the late two thousands, right? I mean they're still still super popular now, but. You know, I I remember there was that like a one meme video about Herman Lee going around, you know, and they and they had this dude with like a a, a fake Asian accent going, you know, I'm Herman Lee and I'll shit on your head, and then it's just kind of dumb because you know, uh-huh. Herman's like a Chinese dude. He, I mean, he he was born in a, I'm not sure if he was born in Hong Kong or in the UK, but he grew up in the UK, and you know. He speaks normal English. Uh-huh. Doesn't have I don't I don't know I don't know man. Yeah, yeah, that that is kind of a it's kind of absurd. Yeah, that people do that. Um, um, another I guess another like stereotype that kind of well I guess it it kind of I, I didn't really know it was prevalent like because I started like going into like the like medical side of like my education. And then I started to notice like, you know, the medical, like people like, you know, mainly academic medical people are, they do like kind of have a, like a lot of like racial, um, yeah. Like stereotypes, like reading regarding to like disease and like mm-hmm. lifestyle. And so I started to pick that up. Like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like people kind of, I think the people where I'm from are, you know, just a bunch of alcoholics and diabetics. And and then, and then with like, you know, the like African-American community, you know, there's like, um, there's certain like diseases that are prevalent. Yeah. in that community, but like, like sickle cell. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I started noticing like, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, I, I kind of had to fight through that. Like when I was going through like school. So, um, but um as far as like you being a musician, especially in metal, um, like, um, like, I mean, uh, other than the online stuff, like any, has there been any, like, like, like stereotypical or like, you know, racial, like misunderstandings, like when you've, um, played live shows or, or anything like that? We we're lucky enough that, um, when, when we perform, you know, we performed uh, mostly in California or in uh, Seattle and uh, I, I guess, and a couple of shows in Taiwan, but you know, those, those are all kind of very liberal places. You know, there's a ton of, uh, ton of Asians out here next year. We're going to Europe that I'm, I mean, I've, I've heard mixed. So, you know, just playing shows in California, it's not a big deal. I've heard stories from friends of mine in bands from Asia who toured Europe had kind of a less positive experience, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it turns out next year. Okay, cool. 
Um, so next year, are you going to be like supporting Rip to Shreds, or I know you're involved with some other some other yeah, projects? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Rip, Rip to Shreds is going to be on tour next year in Europe. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I can switch to kind of like the new album. Well, well first, um, uh, you you are going to have your album on Relapse. How did how did that come about? Relapse Records. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, there's this guy, uh, Mike, he, I, I believe he's like head of direct sales at, at relapse. And, uh, he, he, he runs his own label called uh, horror pain gore death. And, um, I think like 2019 or 2018, like he reached out to me about doing some release on his label. And, uh, we put out, I, I put out, um, I, I did this split with my friends from Taiwan, Brain Corrosion, and Mike put it out uh, on his own label. And then when we were, when I started the writing process for the new album, you know, it was kind of like, you know, Polarized has been great to us, but I think we've kind of outgrown them a little bit and it's time to look for, you know, like a bigger uh, US-based label. And then so I, you know, I just reached out to Mike and I'm like, hey, do you think Relapse would be interested in uh taking on our new album? And then so he goes and talks to the, you know, the big cheeses and they come back and like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Relapse is one of my favorites. Um yeah, pretty much anything they put out is is just like gonna be good. Um uh, yeah, I did pre-order the Ripped Shreds album too, so I'm looking oh, yeah, forward dude. to that. Um, and then I heard the promo copy. Uh, I got the promo copy and like been listening to it a lot, a lot in before this uh, scheduling this interview. Um, and then um, I, I kind of, I think I read it in the bio that came with the promo. Uh, is this the the first album with like a, a lineup? Because before it was just you, right? Yeah, yeah. So th- this is the first album with a real lineup. Okay. So, I mean, writing wise, you know, I'm still doing like the majority of the writing, but um, when I, after I come up with like the basic guitar riffs and the basic arrangements, then I can hand it over, uh, you know, to my drummer and my bassist and they can put their own stamp on it. They can point out things that things I wouldn't necessarily uh, notice by myself, you know, um, if like, uh, I, I think th- there were a couple of songs, you know, where they're like, you know, this, this part goes on for too long. We got to shorten it or, you know, they can, uh, keep me in check, you know, like that riff kind of sucks. Let's, uh, let's swap it out for a better one. And then also, um, I use less mental energy trying to, uh, come up with all of the parts myself, you know, when I can hand it off to Ryan and Brian, you know, and they can really totally focus and put their own ideas onto it. That takes pressure off me. So I can focus on the really focus on the things that I'm doing, you know, um, like maybe the first album and the second album, the bass parts are like pretty basic, you know, I'm just following the guitar riff, but um, because Ryan's not doing anything but playing bass when he's coming up with his bass parts, you know, he has that mental capacity to kind of be free, come up with creative parts. You know, he doesn't just need to think about following the riff because he's not trying to, you know, think about everything else at the same time. 
Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really dig this this uh, album. Um, and then um, just like well, for me, just when I listen to it, it just it's got a really like uh, a big uh, Swedish uh, like death metal influence. Would mm-hmm. that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's most obvious, you know, in our guitar tone because I'm using uh, for for this album, I actually use two custom uh, custom HM2s, not not a stock one. Um, but I mean, the biggest part, you know, obviously is the actual chainsaw HM2 sound. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I still am very influenced by Entombed, but. I would say, you know, in terms of like the actual notes and the arrangements, you know, at this point we have not very much in common with Intuned. I mean, obviously, I we still have a couple of songs where you know, you know, it's like, okay, we just want to do some really stupid, groovy Intuned shit, you know, and we'll still do that. But I think at this point. Um, when I'm writing songs, I'm already kind of, my, my headspace is already really far out of, you know, just, uh, just Swedish death metal. All right. Cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like the lead guitar too is pretty sick. I like the, the lead guitar work on race trader. Mm-hmm. That, that one is definitely more of like a, 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 a melodeath kind of thing. Um, you know the Japanese band um, Intestine Bailism? Mm, I, I'm not familiar now. Uh, so they're they're like a they're they're a melodic death metal band. Um, I think their first album came out in like '97 or something, okay. and then they had like three albums. But they 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 really uh, the way they approach melodic death metal is. You know, they still have all the death metal riffs. You know, they just throw in a ton of melodic guitar leads on top of that. And, you know, I, I really enjoy that. Um, I'm not so much about the whole Gothenburg type of sound anymore. You know, I mean, I still love Slaughter at the Soul, but, you know, it, it's not something that I consciously want to emulate for Rip to Shreds. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I really, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, just fan of like what I've heard, and um, as far as um, like you know, supporting this album, uh, I know you mentioned you're gonna support it, uh, support the album in Europe. Um, uh, have you have any plans to like support a, a tour like across the country or anything like that? The U.S. Sorry, we. I mean, we're definitely going to play a couple of shows. As of yet, we don't have like a big tour scheduled for the U.S. yet. Um, might change, but r- at least not planned for 2023 yet. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone should check out the new album that comes out October 14th on Relapse. Uh, the album's Jubian. Um, one thing I really, uh, one thing I dig about like just like metal in general is just like the album art. And the album art is just pretty amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. That was done by um, a painter from Beijing. 
called uh Guangyang. And then he he did the cover for this one. He did the cover for the last album too. Um, I really enjoy working with him. Uh, because he always has these, you know, really striking um kind of he has really striking style. I like the way that he uses color. Um, and it's not like one of those, you know, I mean, I, I love Seagrave, you know, everyone loves Dan Seagrave, but yeah. you know, Seagrave has a very particular style. And, you know, when you see a piece, you know, that it's Seagrave or, you know, that it's someone ripping off Seagrave. And I like that Guangyang has his own individual style. Um, I feel like, you know, if, if you showed me like two or three of his pieces mixed in with like 50 others, you could point out all of his. And then since, uh, at least for me, the themes of the band um, has to all work together. You know, it, it doesn't really make sense for me to uh, sing about Chinese history or Chinese culture and, you know, just have any old um any old cover you know so for me it was really important for me to have someone who understood that working on the cover yeah that's awesome i had like the cover and then um yeah the lyrical content like you mentioned um um you do have some like uh history i believe through in the lyrical content which is which is pretty awesome uh, i dig that um uh, I know you're, uh, I'm going to kind of ask about some of your other bands. I know earlier, sure. well, you know, I first kind of um, got introduced uh, to your music. It was the pharmacist uh, that came mm-hmm. out this year. How did you, how did you become part of the the pharmacist uh, uh, project? Oh yeah. Um, let me see. I'm trying to remember when I first started talking to Stefan. Um maybe a couple of years back i think he he asked me to do some guest solos for i think the feeling young split um with uh with fluids and then you know, i had a lot of fun with it and i guess when he started working on the new pharmacist album um he he asked me hey do you want to do like all the leads on this one i'm like hell yeah man because for me it, it's um writing leads for rip to shreds or actually for any of my own bands you know it's something that i have to consciously plan around you know i don't want to write a song and then you know i've basically i finish a song and then you know then i go back and look for a place to put a solo that doesn't work for me you know if i want to put a solo in a song I have to write around that. I have to think, okay, you know, in this solo, I'm going to have a, uh, in this song, I'm going to have a solo. I'm going to build up to this solo and the solo is going to, it's going to mean something. It's not just, you know, there to have a solo. And then what was fun for me about this pharmacist album, you know, is that I don't need to think about any of that. You know, uh, Stefan just gave me, here's a bunch of songs, put solos in them. And uh, it let me, kind of explore things in solos that I don't really get an opportunity to do in Rip to Shreds, especially because, you know, he threw a whole bunch of like really weird wonky riffs at me. And when I, when I write sections for solos in Rip to Shreds, usually I'm keeping it really simple and melodic underneath. 
so that um, I have ample space to do something melodic. And then, you know, I've got this crazy chromatic shit that Stefan's throwing at me. So I need to kind of think of ways to solo around it, which, you know, it was a challenge, but I think it turned out really good. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, I'm uh, I, I dig that style, that gore grind style, and yeah, with your lead work, it it uh, yeah, just is a good finishing touch to that. Um, I know I don't have a whole lot of time, but um, is there any like albums or music that you know you you've been listening to a lot that you think uh, people should check out? Oh yeah, I mean that that new Dream Killer album from uh, Summerlands. Dude. oh yeah yeah that yeah. Was so fucking I got that, yeah the 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 singer changed from the previous album so yeah, it's yeah. almost it's like a new one band from uh it's the one from uh, uh magic circle um but yeah that that's new summerlands album is like one of my favorites this year um that new the new autopsy album that just came out it's like it, it's the best album they've done since like shit fun you know mm-hmm. um and then of course, you know, everyone's talking about chat pile right now, but mm-hmm. you know, I got to plug chat pile. Um, I'm friends with a guitarist. He's an awesome dude. They've made such a ridiculous album. So if I had to pick three, you know, it would be those three. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I've checked out the chat pile yet, but I'll, I'll definitely do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you got it, man. It's, it's more like a, it's more on the noise rock side of things like maybe halfway between like noise rock and sludge i guess Mm -hmm. but you know it's i i feel like it's one of the most hyped albums of the year and you know it absolutely lives up to it yeah yeah there's just so much music coming out uh, every month i mean the only thing i think i've been listening to like pretty regularly um i mean I'm, i'm a i listen to any pretty much any band that comes out of texas and there's one band from texas i am they put out uh, eternal steel and uh, another texas band uh tribal gaze um yeah i'm always gonna check out whatever band coming out from texas but um but i'm from arizona there's not a whole lot of like um national bands from arizona um other than gatekeeper uh-huh. but um uh max cavalera lives there right oh yeah yeah he yeah he lives in like phoenix um yeah 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 he's uh um i think they're doing the cavalera tour i'm gonna check out the tucson show uh this Mm -hmm. month tucson arizona show um but yeah yeah he's probably like the biggest one and i think dave mustaine also lives in phoenix um (laughs) i i I have a hard time imagining dave mustaine (laughs) i don't know why it it just doesn't seem to fit my image of dave yeah (laughs) yeah um but uh yeah i think that's all my time with you andrew thank you again for sure all right thanks so much man yeah